I think in the age of, you know, social change that we're in right now, we're having a lot of talks about justice for many groups. I think we could add ageism into that. You know, any type of discrimination, they all are very intertwined with one another. It all boils down into a lot of the same ideas. So I think we have a lot of potential to diminish concepts of ageism in our society today because we're already doing it with a lot of other types of discrimination. What exactly is the difference between Gen Z and millennials? Is the real generational divide today just about the advent of the internet? Has all this integration of technology just deepened the divide between those of us who remember life before Google? What about life before social media? Join us for episode four of our series, Bourbon with Generations That Can Legally Drink or Not. Our guest is True Ware. True is a junior at Skyview High School, and she's not convinced Gen Z is all that different anyway. I'll be drinking Burnside Bourbon. What about you? I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome you to Bourbon with Beagle. Today's guest is True Ware, and True is part of the generation that we call the Z generation. And True's going to help us to understand her generation, hopefully. And uh, I'm going to try to help her understand my generation. So hopefully we'll have a great discussion about that. Hello, True. Hi. Great. Thank you uh, again for joining me and being one of my first guests for the podcast. I really appreciate you doing that for us. So you're part of Generation Z, and um, that's one of the youngest generations we have that we'll be talking to during the podcast series. Since you're part of that younger generation, what are your thoughts on aging because of parents and others? I was on aging have always been very positive, mostly because my mom, she's focused a lot on aging in her career and in college. So I've always had a very positive view of elder people, but it's not something I've thought about in relation to myself a lot, um, more so recently. But yeah, it's not something I've, I've focused on a lot till recently. Well, great. I know you did an internship with us um, last year, I think, or the year before. And most of our clientele that we work with are part of the older generations. But do you have any sense of how that generation reacts to yours? It's interesting to see the generations reacting with each other. What interests me a lot is how we label it. Because I think about the whole Gen Z versus baby boomers, or even Gen Z versus millennials is we put a lot of focus on the fact that it is Gen Z versus an older generation rather than just younger versus older, which I think is something that's happened throughout history. And when I say versus, I don't mean a battle, but there's always just been, you know, the sense of younger generations feeling kind of misunderstood by older generations, especially in the age of technology nowadays. So sometimes it's disheartening to see the generations react negatively towards each other, whether it's baby boomers towards Gen Z or whatever generation towards whatever generation, but it is really refreshing when you see um, generations kind of sharing their cultures with each other. I like to see that a lot. Do you think on the generational aspect of things that the boomer generation is a little close-minded when it comes to uh, viewing younger generations? I think on average, maybe, but I, I wouldn't want to label the entire generation as misunderstanding. I think people just think the way that they think, and there's a lot of common thread in between uh, people of the same generation. And like I said earlier, especially in the age of technology, there is some misunderstanding 
because there's quite a learning curve to technology and Gen Z is something it's grown up with since we were, you know, before we were born. So there's, uh, there's some misunderstanding, but I don't think it's anything we could move past. Right. So technology is, I think, the key here. Um, you've grown up with technology. My generation has not. We actually were the generation that took us from the non-technology aspect of life to technology. And it's just taken off like crazy, more so than I thought it would. So your ability to maneuver that technological aspect is much better than what we were. But do you think that your generation is looking at a little more stress and a little more things due to technology? Or what is the positive things of technology and for your generation? And what are some of the areas that maybe need to be improved with your generation as far as technology? I think technology is a great tool just for solving huge issues, but it also creates a lot of issues. Positives are just human connection. It's just easier to connect with people. It's easier to keep in touch with people you know and people you love. I think that's a beautiful thing. But negatives, especially with aging, something that I've noticed a lot is in the age of social media, um, a lot of the younger not even necessarily younger women or younger people, younger girls, younger kids, um, trying to grow up a lot faster, especially with social media, because they can post whatever they want and they see other people posting, um, especially because things can be edited and they may not understand that. I think a really big negative is how it's affecting kids today, kids who are getting social media when they're in like elementary school. And I think social media for the older generations is one that it, we're kind of hesitant to utilize. Uh, some have embraced it very well because of the connection with family and friends and that sort of thing, especially over the COVID series that <laughs> shutdowns that we have. But I don't think we have the same take that your generation probably has on it is that, except I do have a cousin that posts everything and takes pictures and does all of that great stuff uh, to do that. And she's a little older than I am. But most of the generation I see doesn't do that as much, uh, I think, is, is that. And I don't know whether we have the pressure of having to show that we're better or that we're whatever with social media, not better, maybe not be the right word, but uh, to, to show that we're uh, as on the same playing field as other people that are on social media. Uh, I think there's a lot of pressure to do that. Um, so how does your generation, for my generation anyway, how does your generation feel about having to do that? I think it's something that we don't really realize is different. It's like I said, we all grew up with social media. It's something that grew up with us. Teenagers, I think are inherently insecure because you're, you know, you're growing up and there's always drama around high school. And so adding in social media where you can not only talk about these things and gossip and compare yourself to others in person at school when you see these people, you can now do it all the time, which I don't think a lot of people will realize how harmful that can be uh, until it's a little bit too late until you've realized. And then when you realize it's hard to resist social media because everybody is on it. A lot of people who care about what other people think, you kind of have to be on social media to maintain a certain appearance if that's what you want. Or even if you don't, it's it's meant to be addicting. That's what it was created yeah. to do, was to get people addicted to it. So, right. yeah, it's a hard habit to break, and it's a hard habit to realize one even has. Right. And I think the older generation tends to look at it as just a way to connect with individuals and not necessarily use it as a 
guide for enhancing our lives through social media, but more of just keeping in connect, connecting aspects of that. Um, you're way too young, but there's a, uh, used to be a cartoon called the Jetsons back in my day. And one of the things that Jetsons did was they used to bring down screens with people that would talk very much like Zoom, like we're doing currently. And so one of the things is they would put it on, but they would have to go put a mask on in the morning in order to look presentable to be on the, the what I would say, the, the screen. And I think that that's kind of the concept that we're now looking at is everybody's got to have a certain image on uh, social media. And I think that's true for some of the older generation and younger generations uh, to do that. And so I think that probably we're going to have to work together to come to some type of consensus that this is just one way to connect with people and one way to build esteem and to move forward. But you have to do some personal, personal look personally into yourself in order to be able to, to uh, realize that this isn't the only way you would, would look at yourself is through social media. So I think that's great. Does your generation contribute? What, what do you think uh, your generation will contribute as it ages through the process? I hope, I hope it'll be able to contribute our knowledge of the effects of social media. Like I was saying, um, to be able to teach generations after us to have a healthier relationship with it. Of course, there's always potential that it just keeps going in this direction, but it'd be nice if we can, you know, pass on what we've learned and just aging in general. I think in the age of, you know, social change that we're in right now, we're having a lot of talks about justice for many groups. I think we could add ageism into that. You know, any type of discrimination, they all are very intertwined with one another. It all boils down into a lot of the same ideas. So I think we have a lot of potential to diminish concepts of ageism in our society today because we're already doing it with a lot of other types of discrimination. I agree totally on that. That's a great insight uh, for me to and other of our listeners to think about is that ageism is there. And it it was even prevalent when I was younger uh, in doing that. But I think it's even more so today, uh, especially with the technology piece that uh, a lot of older individuals do not understand the technological piece. And uh, somehow we're deemed a little less effective because of that. But I can certainly see your generation on the technology side making great gains through that, as we already see. What do you think your generation is going to do on on social justice, those type of things? On social justice, obviously in May of, of 2020s, when all of the, I don't want to say hype, but that's when the Black Lives Matter movement was being talked about a lot. And it was... I think it was largely because of quarantine, people were finally able to take a step back from their own lives to look at the lives of others. And so I think that kind of got the ball rolling. I hope it continues in that direction. Obviously, the movement has slowed down, but I've noticed a lot of people around me, you know, it's just created the normalization of caring about social justice in any regard. I, to tie back into social media, I can't go on Instagram without seeing people speak out about something that they're passionate about, something that they care about, some kind of cause, whatever it relates to. So it's really just creating a culture where it is very normal to talk about social justice issues that you're passionate about. And that can, that can cause some division 
between different groups of people, but it also, I think, is largely helping because we're finally having younger, younger generations pay attention to what's happening, especially in government. Because I think beforehand, a lot of the ideas around government, which is just, you know, you vote for whoever you think seems to be the best. And now there's a lot of pressure, you know, good pressure on younger generations to learn and to educate yourself because this is, you know, your own future and the future of your kids, if you choose to have any, the future of everyone you care about. So it's important to learn. Well, good. I think one of the criticisms that I hear about my generation, which is part of the baby boomer generation, is that we're not as open-minded about providing the same type of environment that we did growing up. And, and what I mean by that is college tuition back in my day was very reasonable. Uh, you could hold a, hold a part-time job and work and make enough money to pay tuition and housing and all that good stuff because it was subsidized by the state that I lived in pretty heavily uh, because education was very important. I'm seeing that not as a case now. What I'm seeing is we've kind of turned those type of things into financial instruments for loans and that sort of thing. So I think that's one of the things my generation needs to be more open about is to say, look, what we have today is not as not as equating to what we grew up with and what we did. So we need to move more into the model that we had back then in order to preserve a future for younger generations. Uh, and I think that's very important. The social media aspect is um, way before your time was the Vietnam War, which was a big issue when I was in junior high, high school. And again, that was something that we had to get out and, and really do the marches in person and doing that. One of the things I see in social media is for younger generations as well. So my generation, it's great to be vocal about social issues, but they do it strictly on social media. They don't take any other action. Is that something that you would see as your generation breaking that habit of the older generation of doing that? It's an interesting concept because I know a lot of people who may post on social media that they support certain issues, but then still surround themselves with people who do not fit under that. And I'm not saying that all of your friends have to have the same mm -hmm. political beliefs of you at all, but I do think that politics and human rights are different. And it is unfortunate to see people post on social media that they support things like the Black Lives Matter and then surround themselves with people who are known to be racist. So I think a lot of people are only politically or socially or social activists on social media, but also on the other hand, a lot of people are taking that into real life. A lot of people are taking action. I, um, I'm in a leadership class in my high school and we've had a couple students go to school board meetings, which is not something that's very common. School board meetings are usually parents. Um, but we had a couple groups of students. One of them was actually last night, go to a school board meeting and talk about COVID protocols. We had, I know a lot of people that went to political marches. So the spectrum is, you know, there's a lot on both sides and a lot in between. I think a lot of people are more open and honest about causes that they care about in real life, not just on social media nowadays. Yeah, great. And I think that's that's something that your generation probably will do better than our generation is at this point. Also, I think because we're in the Northwest and the West Coast, that sometimes we have a different, completely different view 
of what social justice looks like than the maybe parts of the rest of the country. Uh, so sometimes I have to look at where that is uh, for me personally and say, yes, I'm on the West Coast. And so my views are more accepted here than they would be in other states in the South or the East Coast. So I, I think that we both, all generations, have to work together to make each generation the best it can be by listening to each other and by coming up with common type of goals that we can agree upon uh, to be able to do that. We've talked about the baby boomers and their perception. So what would be your perception of like the millennials or the, uh, that group or the why? Uh, their perception of millennials is, it's interesting because my brothers are both millennials. Well, my, my middle brother could, it's kind of debated millennial and Gen Z, but when I was younger and I was first getting access to the internet, millennials were the people I were watching. They were the people that I was like, you know, I was like, oh, those people are so cool. Cause I was, you know, I was a pretty young kid and these were like teenagers or people in their early twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my perception of millennials, how it's shifted a lot over time because now I think Gen Z is probably taking that role as people who are in their, in their teens and their early twenties. And now the generations under us are looking at us that way. And so my perception of millennials now is, oh, I don't perceive them very much. I just, I think I look at a lot of social media creators or uh, whether it's YouTubers or podcasters, just people who create things online. And I still admire them a lot for their work and I admire how they shaped internet mm-hmm. culture. But beyond that, I don't see them as very different from us. Mm-hmm. I just, I think it's nice because there's a lot of relation between millennials and Gen Z because we both um, understand internet culture. And I think you're probably correct on that. When I talk to baby boomers about their perception of millennials, it's, well, they don't want to work. They don't want to do this. And when I talk to millennials about baby boomers generation, they come back and say, you know, they were, they're the generation that had it easy. We had, you know, we could get an education, we could buy a house, we could do all of that. So I think there is discussion on both of those sides with millennials, but um, for other generations, uh, your generation is very similar. And so the criticisms that I hear from the millennials, I think need to be addressed by the other generations in order to allow you guys to have some of the same benefits that those generations did. And hopefully that'll move forward. Um, what about, I think it's the generation Y next, uh, which is the right below the baby boomers. Uh, any perceptions on that generation? I think it might be generation X. X, you're right. X or Y, one or the other. I think, yeah, it's interesting. That's the generation that my mom is in. And I think when people are far enough in age for me that they're in either generation Y or generation of of baby boomers, I don't notice much of a difference other than I think in my experience, people from generation X or Y, whichever it is, may be a little bit more open to societal movements that are happening nowadays. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a natural progression of events as generations move on. I'm sure in about 50 years, you know, Gen Z will be seen as closed minded to the generations below us. I think that's just what happens as we progress as a society. But I don't have any specific opinions about about Gen X in comparison to millennials or, or baby boomers. 
Do you think that living in the U.S., the generations are different maybe than what other parts of the world are? I think absolutely, yes. And I think that has a lot to do with what America values. You know, America operates under capitalism and capitalism has a lot of focus on labor. And, it, you know, it can be traced up to like the industrial revolution when we had factories popping up. The people we wanted to work there were young people, often children, because the younger you are, the more valuable you are as a laborer. And that's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, the actual labor aspect of it. I just think it's important that we start to focus a lot more on caring about people who are older beyond them, you know, no longer being able to work. Because I think America as a society tends to disregard our elders. If you look at other cultures, it's very common to, to you know, have your grandparents or your, your, even your parents when you get older live with you to care for them. Whereas here in America, we often put them in homes or a facility of some kind when they can't care for themselves anymore. So I think, I think generational differences are drastic here, honestly, because I'm sure that a lot of older people are afraid of being put into homes. And so we just kind of carry that with us. And it, you know, it can come out as rivalry or feelings of spite towards generations under us. That's a good insight. Thank you for that. I think my generation is very concerned about being placed in facilities and the aging process and all of the things that it brings, such as stroke, dementia, Alzheimer's, which uh, we've made some stride, but not a lot in those areas on the medical technology field. One of the things that I find probably more interesting in the generational aspects of other parts of the country is the focus on personal life work balance. And how do you view that with the rest of the countries that do work less than 40 hours a week, four days a week, paid time off and all of that versus uh, the American generations? That's something that really interests me. And it can be I like to trace it back to, you know, the 1950s and the nuclear family model when, you know, husbands went to work to provide for their families and women stayed home. And then slowly over time, women went into the workforce and we never really shifted from that in a way. Like we had more people in the workforce and it caused a kind of, um, I don't know, it caused some issues. So now it's just changed a lot, whether it was inflation or, you know, economic reasons about how now it's not possible to have one person supporting a family. You have to have multiple people supporting a family. Sometimes those people carrying multiple jobs. And also it's a lot to do with like class divides and how they've become more drastic over the years. Cause there are people who have money that they will never ever be able to use in a full lifetime. And then we have people who are having to work three or four jobs to support themselves. And I, I think we neglect work and personal life boundaries a lot. Also, because like I said, of of class reasons, we look down on lower class people. There's just a lot of prejudice towards people in poverty. So we just, you know, the American saying, like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. If you have to work more than 40 hours a week, you have to work for, you have to work more than 40 hours a week. Um, There's a lot of the notion of, you know, if you have to do that, you're just not working hard enough. You know, why didn't you get an education? Then you would be making more money uh, with complete disregard for whatever background they came from. You know, generational poverty is something that's really hard to come out of. And we just kind of disregard that as a country. But I think it would be very, very helpful for us to focus a lot more on that 
that work slash personal life boundary. It's, it's very unhealthy to focus on work so much. You should be working so you can live, not living to work. Great philosophy. I wish I had, had picked up on that earlier in my, my life and career. One of the things that is your generation going to move more toward the European models where uh, there is uh, more time off for parental leave, more time off for vacations, uh, for recouping from work, shorter work hours, shorter days, all of that. Do you think your generation will be the leader in that? I would hope so. And I know that there's been a lot of talk about that over the years. The thing is, is people tend to focus on that end of it, of just, we need to give people paternal or maternity leave. We need to give people paid vacation. We need to give people this, this, this. They shouldn't have to work as much. And People often focus with the end in mind rather than thinking about why we don't have those, why we don't have paid leaves for parents, why we don't have paid vacations. And it traces back into like the root of our country, into the root of our, mm. of our legal and economic systems. And there's no way that we can just give that to people because we want to give it to people. We have to go back and um, fix the foundations first. Mm-hmm. So I think that our generation is focusing on that a lot, but I think it's going to take a lot of time and effort. Right. One of the things that I think uh, my generation forgets is that yeah. our parents, who are usually the silent generation or the that generation there, forgets that mm-hmm. that the silent generation actually paid more taxes than we do today to provide some of these lower tuition in college better education opportunities, more training to allow people to, to vacation, healthcare, pensions, all of that. And somehow the boomer generation that had the advantage of that did it, seems to be extremely conservative on raising new taxes and want taxes reduced a lot. So I think that's one of the things that your generation hopefully will understand, like the silent generation and the beginning of the boomer generation, that supporting those goals with tax dollars uh, makes life better for all of us, uh, not just a specific group, but education alone. You know, I didn't incur any student loans, and I think that uh, people having to incur that uh, to go to college is an area that boomers need to really look at and say, you know, we need to support these people to get a degree and earn more money so they can have a life as we do. So what do you think actually your generation can do better in the future? In the future, I think just pushing forward with like keeping the ball moving on every kind of social issue, especially with ageism or, or issues regarding um, working or college tuition. But I think when it comes to ageism, it's not something that older generations can necessarily fix. It is up to younger generations to do it because Mm-hmm. We see this with any kind of social any issue, any kind of social discrimination. Nobody really pays attention until it affects them, for the most part, uh, unless they've been convinced by somebody else. But it's a lot easier to get younger people to get other younger people on board than it is for older people to get younger people on board. So I think what we can do is just convince as many people as you can to care about issues. Um, people, you know, in my generation, convincing other people. And then moving forward is to just teach and instill better values in younger generations. Just if we can educate that, because you know all of this 
any kind of discrimination, these things aren't inherent to, to the human experience. They're things that we're taught. And I think probably one of the things is that uh, I think the future holds for your generation is to bring a whole new view of how the world works based on the technology experience. And hopefully it will make it better for everyone. One of the things I hope for your generation is something that my generation, the baby boomers didn't do is moving away from the skilled nursing home facility concept and how we age uh, in America, especially how we kind of send people into these institutions. And I'm using the word warehouse here, which is they just are there, uh, especially in the dementia Alzheimer's unit. I hope that your generation will realize that we need to spend a lot more money on uh, research and treatment of Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, there's just a new drug out on Alzheimer's, but it costs 36000 a year for that. And the effects aren't that great. I mean, the, the outcomes are there, but not great outcomes. And other uh, countries around the world seem to be more of a leader in that. So hopefully we'll do that. That your generation will do that uh, with us, uh, because really the baby boomer generation should be out there advocating for that all the time, uh, because it affects our population uh, much more drastic than it is future generations, just because of the no pure number of individuals within the, the baby boomer generation. So, what do you think? There are any common areas between like the generations, and, and I'll talk, start with baby boomers. Do you think there's any common areas for your generation and our generation to work on? I think finding common ground is a lot easier than we think. It's unfortunate how we're so incredibly focused on the differences between generations mm -hmm. when it's a million times easier to, to find common ground and it's so much more healthy and effective and it just creates a better environment to be in. Um, I think we have common ground on a lot of things. It's, it's hard to name them because like I said, it's very, it's very, common common ground is especially considering you know cycles of history and how we often return back to things like we're we're noticing a lot of the trends in history happened in the 20s the 1920s that are happening today so we could look to to things like that look to moments in history that are similar movements that are similar yeah i think if we just stop focusing so much on what makes us different it'll make it a lot easier to progress as a society and listen to each other Absolutely. I, I think some of the common areas that I would see is our ability to ignite the, the generational members. The baby boomers should be able to do that. Your generation do that over these common areas and goals. And I think you're absolutely correct that if we concentrate on those common goals, then we will be able to be much more effective uh, in how we do things. One of the things my generation, and I don't know about your generation, has to move past is that Americans do it better uh, concept. And when I look at other programs across the world, sometimes those programs are much better inclined, especially on mental health treatment and substance abuse. Uh, so hopefully your generation will be a little more open to looking at other ways instead of how we do things and be so entrenched in that. The other thing I, I hope my generation does is we start retiring before we reach 85 and 90 in some of the political circles. 
uh, and allow the younger generations to take over uh, as uh, as uh, they should. Uh, you are the future and need to look at the countries and our country through your lens, not necessarily through ours. So hopefully that'll take place. Common ground is difficult if, if not without discussion. And uh, I see a lot of generations. And so that's what I'm hoping by this uh, podcast uh, is that we are able to start some discussion among the generations to say, again, we've got common ground uh, and we need to identify what those are. Uh, aging is certainly one that I think affects the generation, the baby boomer, generation Z more so uh, because we're, we're getting there. So I think that is uh, something we can talk about. But you guys are going to have to, your generation is going to have to to also work on aging as well because your parents are going to be aging and how you're going to deal with that. So what do you think is maybe some contributions that your generation has made now? We covered a little bit of that, but it's technology. But is there anything beyond technology that you think your generation has contributed? It's hard to pinpoint. I just think general openness around social and and legal changes we're just a lot more open to and we promote a lot more. Yeah, I think also just just general social change, general feelings of wanting to end any discrimination, wanting to unify. Uh, I think that's also been largely promoted by COVID is in being in quarantine. It's caused people to just want to be around people again. Um, so we're looking at human connection more closely and appreciating it more. The other question I have on common areas is... A lot of uh, around the mental health and substance abuse issue. Does your generation have a, a different opinion than maybe like the baby boomers is? And, and ours is that it's something you can just overcome yourself uh, without much treatment and we don't put the funds behind the treatment. Does your generation have a different uh, viewpoint than, than the boomer generation? I think different, sure. But I also think, unfortunately, Addiction is kind of normalized. Opioid addiction is a huge issue in not necessarily Gen Z, a lot more millennial, but an addiction that I've noticed is like nicotine is something that's so normalized. You know, smoking was almost, well, it was pretty much at the lowest it had been since tobacco was introduced right before Gen Z and millennials um, were kind of growing up. And then the invention of the e cigarette kind of brought it all back. So I think when it comes to things like, when it comes to things like nicotine, addiction is incredibly normalized. But then again, when it comes to more serious, more serious drugs, we've put more focus on accepting those people and accepting that they are not, they didn't do anything wrong to, to get into that place. We understand that um, a lot of addiction is promoted by, you know, it's easy to fall into. It's, it's not, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. People don't become a addicted to substances because they're a bad person or because they're stupid or because they're weak. They become addicted to substances because they they went through something that made them more susceptible to that most often. Right. Either way, we just, we've opened, I think we've been more open about it and less judgmental. I, I think, that, think you're correct on that. That's what I've seen from the members of your generation that I've interacted with that we've done. In closing, I want to thank you so much for being my first, uh, one of my first guests on the podcast. 
what a great uh, contribution uh, you've made uh, for your generation and helping explain that to me. Uh, and hopefully we can find common ground to work together. But again, True, thank you so much and uh, good luck. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Bourbon with Beagle presented by me, Gary Beagle. Be sure to subscribe to Bourbon with Beagle on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are listening now. I would like to thank my producer, Dan Bruton of SignalCast and my digital media and marketing specialist, Aaron Haley. Without them, Bourbon with Beagle would not be possible. Thank you.